The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USC is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 345, coming to you on Tuesday, November 12th. We're going to talk about the latest in USC football after USC's 31-26 win over the Arizona State Sun Devils to get bowl eligible. We're going to open up the mailbag to talk about over-under. So much more, including a rewatch breakdown. Uh, here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fanside.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Suck it, what's Bruin Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, here in the Reign of Troy Studios East in Phoenix, Alicia Dertol. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. It is going to be a fun episode, I think, uh, talking about the a game that wasn't particularly fun for a lot of USC fans. The Trojans jump out to a 28-7 lead after the first quarter and then score three points remaining after that uh, and and cling on to, to a win to get them to bowl eligibility. Um, we, we have a lot of rants to get to. We'll get to those in a minute. Uh, we have a lots of, uh, emails and, and, and voicemails to get to. People are fired up. People are ready for the end of everything, basically. But SC got the win. SC's bowl eligible. So now we can kind of start making plans for San Antonio, San Diego, Vegas, Phoenix. I'm down with that. We have a studio in Phoenix. Cheese apple. Cheese apple. Cheese <laughs> I, I was telling you. And it, what, it, what would it take for, for me to get USC to the cheese apple? I know that USC can't win either of the last two games. I'm willing to sacrifice that. But you have continually told me this entire weekend that uh, that it's not going to happen. That you don't see the scenario, how it happens. And I concede that you, we don't see the scenario, how it happens. But, like, how... Like, what do I need to get one of USC's wins vacated? Do I need to get um, one of the other bowls canceled? You know, what do I need to have happen for me to get the cheese bowl? I'm glad you asked because I do want to pull up the standings. And, and here's the thing. Like, I know that so many people are clamoring for the Vegas Bowl, too. I don't think Vegas is happening because if you look at the standings right now, USC is 5-2 and two in conference. Only two teams are better in the entire conference in terms of conference record. That's Oregon and that's Utah. Uh, there's a, still a very 
you know, tangible chance that USC ends up winning the Pac-12 South. So this is a, an interesting dilemma because SC is the the second best, third, sorry, the third best record in the conference right now as it stands. If the season ended today, Oregon or Utah is going to the Rose Bowl, uh, and whoever loses that game is probably also going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Who's the third best team in the conference by conference record? USC. That means they go to the Alamo Bowl. Uh, now, looking at this forward, uh, UCLA is at four and two. They could theoretically finish seven and two and, and win the South, um, but more than likely they'll go five and four or six and three. SC more than likely is probably going to go like six and three if they split the last two, or if they win the last two, they can go seven and two. So if you look at the bowl tie-ins, number one in the conference goes to the Rose Bowl. So right now that's Oregon or Utah. Uh, but the other one would probably go to the New Year's Six, right? Uh, number two is the Alamo Bowl. Number three is the Holiday Bowl, then the Red Box Bowl, then the Sun Bowl, then the Vegas Bowl, then the Cheez-It. So the ones that I think fans want the most, besides the Rose Bowl, uh, is the Vegas and the Cheez-It. That's six and seven. That's way too down far in the pecking order, and USC has too good of a record to be able to to get there. The only way I can see it happening is if a whole bunch of teams basically finish tied at five and four, uh, like you know Oregon State's at three and three right now. Uh, if they go two and one to finish the conference season. They, they they finish at two and four. They win every game but lose to Oregon, right? They finish at five and four. If Washington wins out, uh, they finish at five and four. If Stanford wins out, they finish at five and four. If Cal wins their last three games, they finish at five and four. Uh, if, if Arizona State lose, wins their last two, they, they're at five and four. And Arizona's at five and four if they win their last three games. So, so many teams can finish at five and four. But that's the only way it happens into in, with a situation where SC could fall down that far. But at that point, it's all these bowls picking who they want. I can't imagine that SC falls that far. I mean, these bowl games want to sell tickets. And I understand the uncertainty of USC at that point. Who knows? Maybe they won't have a head coach. Uh, the, the turmoil and all that stuff. And anything that you want to say about the, the apathy of USC fans... I still think to a bowl, USC is more attractive than Oregon State. USC is more attractive than Washington State. USC is more attractive than Arizona, you know? So yeah. I, I can't see SC falling that far. I think that I think if SC splits these last two games and the loser of the Pac-12 championship goes to the the New Year's Six Bowls, SC's going to the Alamo. And we get to go to Bucky's. <sighs> Bucky's will be a consolation. But my sadness will reign. Well, there's a lot of sadness raining on Reign of <laughs> Troy Radio's rant line. This is true. That's that's a good one. That, that's a, well that's, done. I know. I, I know. All right, uh, let's go, let's go to the rants right now. Hey, Reign of Troy. This is L.A. Fred once again calling the win rant line. What's up, Reign of Troy? This is David from North Hollywood. Just finished watching my USC game. This is Jen from San Diego. Hey, everyone. Sean here from beautiful Austin, Texas. Bob from Orange County. Brandon from Austin, Texas again. This is Gare Bear from Los Angeles. Hey, Michael and Alicia. This is Dave in Utah, a.k.a. no football reason to keep quite helping. Reign of Troy Radio. What's up? This is Dave from Orange County. Shanice from Englewood. This is Andrew from Buckeye Country. Hi, this is Jim in Nashville. This is Ray from Florida. This is Scott from Memphis. That was an incredible game. That was an awesome college football game. Offense galore, battling it out, the energy and 
in the stadium, the home team coming back just barely, getting thwarted, and the road team gutted it out for a victory. A divisional game, just a wonderful college football game. And then there was that game in Tempe, Arizona. Coach O, great heart, great dignity, class act. I hope they win it all. Our USC Trojans, I don't know. This team, oh, this team, this team right here. Let's play a game. What three things all have in common? This team, Nikias and Hayden's decision-making, and Michael's food takes. They're all garbage. Hey, when did USC turn into bizarro Texas Tech? Slovis was on pace to throw for 1,200 yards. And somehow, at the end of the game, we were worried about losing. Man, I'm glad they won. But still, man, 28 points in the first quarter, 3 points in after that. Come on, man, when you pick that crap up. How shameful is that? What is wrong? Do we not adjust to anything? Because the other team sure as heck must be. Are we to understand that ASU is just masterful in uh, making adjustments, preventing us from scoring anymore uh, what where were our adjustments can't we can't we make adjustments too to counteract their adjustments how how can you score 28 points in the first quarter then look like straight butt every quarter after that i don't even really i mean don't get me wrong a win's a win and we're going bowling so there's that but like since when since when has a bowl game been the standard like a bowl game not you know the rose bowl not a bowl of prominence Going bowling, being something to hang a hat on, is just, it reeks of underachieving. I'm tired of winning this way uh, when we do win, barely winning. Pulling out a, a, a victory at the last, you know, basically the last play uh, against a, an Arizona State that had no business being in the same game as us is not a victory. About halfway through the game, I started rooting for ASU, and I really wanted ASU to win. And I'm actually kind of sad to be sitting here on a USC win, and I don't know know that I've ever at all in my history of watching SC been able to say that. They almost freaking did it. If their wide if their tight end doesn't drop that wide open post route, he walks into the end zone with about forty seconds left and all of a sudden we're losing this damn game. Three points in three quarters. We should put that on Clay Helton's epitaph. Yes, it was a win. Three points three quarters. A Clay Howen coach USC team is a joke. Clay Howen jogs off the sideline like he won a damn national championship. I'm embarrassed for him. Once we do fire Helton, I think I found the perfect job for him. He could officiate for the Pac-12 because he's that inept. Go to Western Kentucky, get the second wave of your career going. You know, I wish you all the best of luck. But for USC, you are not worthy of this. Helton with this fight-on to victory nonsense. I just I just feel so bad for the guy now. Just like you're so lame, man. Now, I've never heard him say that before at the end of the uh, the game. Uh I've never heard him say fight on, but I've never heard him say fight on to victory. And then he has the audacity to say, uh we're gonna go up to Cal and play a good California team. Now before the game tonight I seem to remember Cal is four and four. If his idea of good is four and four, then we should fire his now. 
not wait another two games. Honestly, think after all the things and reasons that, that USC can fire Clay Helton, one reason that should be up there is the fact that he just has not fired John Baxter. What's going on, Rana Troy? It's top Trojan fan calling from beautiful Virginia. It was funny how you guys were talking about. Imagine if you only watched the first quarter and then you missed the other three and then you saw the final score, you'd be like, what's going on? Well, I had the exact opposite experience. My daughter's birthday party ran a little bit long, so I missed the entirety of the first quarter and showed up with nine minutes left in the second. So what I saw was a score of 28 points. No idea how they got there. Hello, uh, Michael and Alicia. Dennis calling from beautiful Anna Maria Island, Florida. Been listening for a couple of seasons, uh, first-time caller. Anyway, watched the uh, Arizona State game on Saturday, and I don't know if you knew that uh, in a stealth operation, the New England Patriots and Tom Brady were flown in and masquerading and, and posing as a USC football team played the first quarter. Unfortunately, at the end of the first quarter, they were urgently called back to Boston, and we got the Mr. Hyde version of the USC Trojans. Come on, guys. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know Michael will have no appreciation for this, but I was like, hey, I didn't call him last night. Why didn't I call him last night? I had to wait till all the way over to here to today on Sunday to call in. And then I realized I was so upset, I turned on Scrubs with, and watched it with my daughter to put me in the right frame of mind and to get through all the frustration and everything. So watching Scrubs purified my soul, brought my blood pressure down, put me in a happy place where I was able to go, yeah, UFC won. Everything's right in the world. <laughs> that Dr. Cox and Turk is so classy. Love those guys. You know, that, that's all I got. I hope you guys have a wonderful Veterans Day. That's what I'm calling on today's Veterans Day. Thank you for all our veterans out there. Um, you know, Sean from beautiful Austin, Texas. You know, other rock boss, uh, Dave the Greater. I know you were in the Navy because, you know, sub guys always want to tell you they were on a sub. You, you can never miss that. But, uh, you know, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. All right. Love the podcast. You guys are great. Anyway, you guys keep up the good work. Uh, always appreciate what you have to say. And fight on. Fight on, everybody. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on to victory and fight out. For all the rap bots, fight on and fight out. And fight out. Take care. See ya. Join the Patreon. It's great. Boom. There you go. SC fans fired up, as always, about USC. Not winning in the most impressive of ways. I particularly liked uh, Scott from Memphis's you know message talking about how that was a great divisional rivalry game and all all that stuff. Talking about the uh, you know the other one, the one in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah, I love the one that the eyes of the uh, country were on. I yeah, people were watching that game. Nobody's watching the game over in Derby. You know what I would have? I, I need to retire that. You do. You really do. It's not good. Uh, but the uh, the truth of the matter is that I think Dave has the right idea. We should all just be watching Scrubs. Like, that should just be it. We should just all be watching Scrubs. Our lives would be a lot happier. Our lives would be a lot more fulfilled. If we just... Why don't we call this, like, Reign of Scrubs? Reign of Scrubs, and we can just, you know, transition the podcast. I'm sure the listeners would be would love it. To transition the podcast into... A discussion of the uh, wonderful, wonderful show produced by uh, the the guy whose name I don't remember anymore, and with uh, Zach Braff as the lead. I prefer uh, what TLC did. I think they have it down pat. No scrubs. You, you don't want no scrubs. No. 
Gotcha. So I want scrubs. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm saying no scrubs. No scrubs at all. Uh, and we don't want any scrubs showing up to our meetup. Which, if anyone does show up to a meetup, there will be no scrubs because you're awesome for showing up to a meetup. We're going to have the most informal possible meetup ever uh, in in NorCal this week over in Berkeley. Uh, Alicia, tell us the deets. Yeah, so basically the meetup idea is uh, because we don't have a, a great deal of time while we're up in the Bay Area uh, since the game is at 8 o'clock, we thought, well, there's a whole day of college football to watch before then, so why don't we just go to a bar near Berkeley and watch the the noon games, watch the, the games that, that are going on before USC kicks off. So we have decided then to basically, in the form of a meetup, let our listeners know where we will be, which is Pappy's Sports Grill, uh, on um, Telegraph. Telegraph. I knew you'd forget it. I knew you knew I would forget it. <laughs> uh, Pappy's uh, Bar and Grill on on Telegraph. Telegraph. On yeah. Telegraph, uh, and that is right next to the campus. And it's apparently like the hangout for the college kids late at night. But we we are not college kids, and we will be the old fogies that are there at noon to watch college football games. And if you want to come by and say hi, if you want to come by and watch the games with us, come by and say hi. Come by and watch the games with us. That's just where we're going to be. So that's that's the extent of the meetup. Uh, we're just going to chill at uh, Pappy's. Yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, a couple of f- interesting games like uh, Texas and Iowa State, which I guess is kind of like rooting for USC if you're an Iowa State fan. This is true. Well, it looks the same. Today, we just saw a bowl prediction that has USC in the Alamo Bowl against Texas. That's the dream matchup for me. I I think that's it. It's the the rubber match in the Alamo, the battle of the Alamo, the rubber match, USC and Texas. How great would that be? I mean, it would be interesting um, for sure. I'd be curious to know what the state of USC's team is (laughs) come come the Alamo Bowl, but it should be fun. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I do know that the, the state of our reviews on Apple Podcasts uh, are doing pretty good. Oh, good. Uh, we have gotten a ton of reviews. We've gotten four new reviews for me to read here. So we're going to be really, really, really self-serving and actually read those things right now. All right, the first one comes from Scaramouche. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, you do the fun thing. That song really sucks because Queen is really garbage. But I really Galileo, hate Queen. Yeah, great. All right. Okay. 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 Unlike I Queen. Okay. We're gonna have to pay the royalties. Don't like fair use. The song sucks. There you go. You are. That is your worst take. Unlike Queen, he gave us five stars and says the best. Just listen. He's gonna take back that five star review because you don't like the greatest song ever. I put Bohemian Rhapsody up against any other song. There's a door written. right there. You're more than welcome to walk right on out. Scaramouche, don't judge the podcast for this Joker and his uh, musical tastes. Uh, I'm with you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's go to James from Rancho. Five stars and says, fun in Phoenix. Keep up the good work, Alicia. Put the Taco Guild restaurant on your must-do list this weekend. Steak taco with blue cheese is on point. I love the reviews that have nothing to do with the podcast, and it's just like uh, a, a note. I, I think it's fun because if you go back and read them, someone's like, I don't know what, what, 
What are they talking about that that weekend? What's happening? Well, no, I they're, they're great. I, I love them. I, I love them because they're because they're different. I enjoy recommendations. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. The, this weekend is coming to an end, so unfortunately, we will have not gotten out to the Taco Guild. But I will say, James, I appreciate the recommendation. I will next time I'm out here, we'll try and go. But to be honest, I can do a steak taco. Just no blue cheese. No, thank you. <laughs> that's that's blue no. cheese is one of the foods that you could not pay me to eat yeah i, I i'm i'm right there yeah. with you uh, let's no go offense. like i just it's just not for me uh, let's go for, to john and decatur who gave us five stars and says alicia and michael provide a spirited and thoughtful review forecast and update for usc football periodically under clay helton this has been this has to have been a challenging and thankless task they are very considerate in their apologetic approach. The football analysis is unbiased and honest, and the frustration is real. Lifelong fans find it cathartic, yet uplifting, in finding they are not alone, and their feelings are real and shared. Michael and Alicia, thank you for your intellectual honesty and raw emotion. That's a great review. Thank you, John. I like that one. The, I mean, I like all of them, but I like that one. Yeah, well, we were talking about how we like the ones that, that are off-topic. This is a very on-topic one, and, and I, I'm very glad to hear that, uh, that John feels that way. Also, this is the funniest autocorrect that's ever happened. The, it autocorrected my name to Alcoa. <laughs> yeah, so is Alcoa, like, is that like a combination of, like, Al Pastor and Barbacoa? There you go. There you go. Yeah, which goes back to the steak tacos oh. with the blue cheese. Yeah, well... Again, it's just you say blue cheese, and my brain goes no. Yeah, mm-mm. Mm-mm, mm-mm. but thank you, John. That's that's awesome. We're really really glad to hear that review. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ace Trojan says five stars. Bring back optimistic Alicia. I, I I actually think this is a case of optimistic Alicia. Yeah, and Ace Trojan says this. for for anyone who loves USC football, you cannot miss this podcast. Michael and Alicia are fun, insightful, and very passionate about the program. A must listen to podcast. The only thing missing is optimistic Alicia fight on Alex in L.A. I, I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic Alicia. Thank you, Alex. Much appreciated. Trust me, I would love for optimistic Alicia to return. I am hopeful of optimistic Alicia returning sometime eventually. Uh, optimistic Alicia is not here at the moment, uh, but, uh, you know, sometime, sometime soon. The, the great return of optimistic Alicia. We will see. We, we'll we will back. see when that ever happens. If if ever at this point. Well, I honestly, I'm getting into that stage where I'm starting to get hopeful. And that's a dangerous place to be. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Buckle yeah. up, folks. It's yeah. coming. It's Oof. coming. Yeah. Take a quick break, though. We'll be coming right back with the news. The new biggest breaking news of some sort, I guess you could say, is that Keenan Kristen will not redshirt this season. Uh, the, the new transfer rules allow players to play four games before exhausting a year of eligibility, which means he's going to play a fifth game and still be in USC's arsenal to use for the rest of the season. Uh, this is a no-brainer, given the situation that we don't know when Stephen Carr is coming back. We assume soon at this point. We don't know when Vi is coming back. We don't know when Marquis Step is coming back. You, you got to keep playing, playing Keenan Kristen. The good news for him, though, even though he's going to end up just playing half a season, 
I feel like he's gotten enough out of the season to validate, uh, you know, exhausting a year of eligibility. Yeah, and, and that's we talked about this in the past that I don't mind burning a red shirt if it's if it's necessary, right? The the bur- burning a year of eligibility. Burning a year of eligibility. Thank you. Thank you. Uh you're welcome. Is uh is something that when when it's unnecessary when you just throw a player in there for one special teams play and that it, that's it like the USC had done in the past, that's really frustrating. But Keenan Christen has now proved that he is more than ready to be out there and playing and Sure, it would have been nice for him to get a full season under his belt, but at this stage, if he's in that top two of the rotation, then he's going to have to play. And I think that that Clay Hilton saying this basically confirms that Stephen Carr may be back this week, but if they thought for sure that Vimalapeo would be back this week, then maybe they they're not saying with such certainty that Keenan Kristen is going to be uh, is going to continue to play, but. Uh, either way, even if even if you had those two guys, part of me still thinks, you know, I think Keenan has earned his playing time at this point. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he just was named Pac-12 Freshman of the Week. Yeah. How, how do how do you how do you have a guy get that honor and then say, you know what? Yeah, well, he's done for the season. We're well, down. and and as I've been saying over and over and over again, it's not like Keenan is like, I guess he's doing good for a freshman. Like, no, he's actually he's. Showing the speed that he has, he's running the ball extremely well. He's willing to run between the tackles. He's willing to be physical. He's he's obviously got got his quickness and his speed. Like there's nothing that you look at and say he's not ready. Now the one thing is the pass protection. Obviously, uh, he's always going to have uh, some trouble with that just because of his size. But you know what? Like you know, rewatching the game, I thought he did fine in that regard. And one of the things I liked is that USC didn't put him in bad positions as quite as often as we've seen them do. They had him swing out into the uh, into the flat a lot, and he took a defender with him as a result. So you can do different things with him and get him involved in the passing game and and help your offense in that way instead of having him be the guy sitting in in pass protection. And when he is in there. Uh, he has gotten pretty good at doing the thing that Mike Jinks told us a couple weeks ago. He just has to get run over slowly. Run over slowly. Yes, his job is to get run over slowly. What does that mean? That means that he's supposed to get in the way of the defender, but the quarterback knows that that running back is not going to stop the defender in his tracks. He's just going to buy him some time. So get the ball out. You're getting run over slowly. All right. I, I, I dig it. I, I dig it. Yeah. That literally happened in this game, in, yeah. in the ASU game. Ken and Kristen pops a dude, but gets popped himself. The dude sort of is stopped in his tracks for a second and then literally just walks over Ken and Kristen. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he can only do what he can do, but he he, he delayed it enough and, uh, and, and the ball got out. So there you go. Yeah. And, you know, another Mike Jinx-ism. Uh, is him being willing, and he, yes. we, we've seen him be willing, especially on that second touchdown of the game, the little dump pass from Keen uh, Slovis uh, on a checkdown and puts his shoulder down to drive himself through a defender to get in the end zone. That's what you want to see, too. He's not just a speed back who's afraid to do anything. Well, and that's no. the thing that Mike Jenks has insisted from the start. He insisted it from Marquis Step. He's not just a power back. He must be a complete back. And with Keenan Kristen, it's the flip side. He cannot just be a speed back. He has to be a complete back. And I think both of those guys have shown that they are ready and up for the task. And whenever they're all available, I think they have all earned playing time. Yeah. And speaking of people earning playing time for being back, like a running back, let's talk about uh, Cal's Chase Garbers, quarterback. 
it appears that he has been cleared to play. I don't know if he's going to play this week for USC, uh, against USC for the Bears. Uh, but now uh, Justin Wilcox will be able to choose between Garbers and Devin Monster. Uh, we'll talk about this more in the Cal preview episode in a couple of days, but it's just something to note. Well, it's something big for Cal because they were playing different football with Chase Garbers early in the season. Yeah. And him coming off a long injury layoff, we'll see. But Cal, that's a they could not have asked for a better timing on this. Well, yeah. I guess earlier, but you know, <laughs> sure, sure. But they probably I, circled this week as as if we can get him back by there. Then at the, at the same point, week. they they scored thirty three points with Monster last week against Wazoo. So yeah, this I, is I, true. But uh, Wazoo, I don't I don't know. What this is make. USC's defense. They're going to allow between true. twenty and thirty. Points. Exactly. It doesn't matter. It, they could they. They could have Airbud in at quarterback, and they Air would still Bud. they would still Joe score twenty six points. Could, could could you know come out of the grave and lead Cal to twenty eight points? Yeah, probably. Uh, speaking of players uh, back in the day, like Joe Cap, let's talk about uh, the the heir of the Yeri fortune. Jack Yeri has decommitted from USC. Uh, you know, Ron Yeri, you can make the case the greatest USC football player of all time. Uh, certainly a top five. And his son, Jack Yerry, a USC uh, legacy, someone that you would think would be in the bag for a USC for a long time. He was committed for a long time. Tight end, three-star tight end out of Marietta Valley. Uh, he decommits. If you look at the crystal balls in 24-7 sports, it looks like it's going to be a battle between UCLA and Oregon. Uh, that's not good for USC because Oregon is getting everybody right now. And uh, UCLA is USC's rivals. So, not... Not good, Bob. Yeah, letting a Yeri go to UCLA or Oregon is a recruiting failure. It's a little wary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is what happens when you have what amounts to a lame duck coach. And you have uncertainty, not just with your coaching staff, but, you know, what kind of offense are you going to be running next year? I don't blame any of the players for looking at all their options at this point. Uh, and uh, and this is why USC needs to be very aware of uh, of the, the the clock ticking away at this point in recruiting. Yeah, one hundred percent. Speaking of UCLA, there uh, let's talk about USC and UCLA meeting next week. The Coliseum, the City Championship game, back at the Coliseum, first time in a couple of years, uh, where it should be. I, I I love the trips to the Rose Bowl, but I almost feel like the that game should always be at the Coliseum, just for historical purposes. I know it would not doesn't make any sense that no, it would it does be. not. It really but <laughs> like it, it doesn't make any logistical sense why UCLA would allow that. Sure. No. I'm just saying for historical reasons, it's where it should be. See, the thing is, I like I like shooting at the Rose Bowl. I didn't know where you're going there. Oh no! Like like photography. Yes. Like, okay. Thank, the you. Rose Thank Bowl, you for clarifying. The Rose Bowl is conducive. The Rose Bowl gives you good backgrounds because sure. the crowd is so low. Sure. Um. So yeah, I. I mean, I love the Rose Bowl. I'm not, this, yeah. this is this is just a little pea brain comment for me. Well, either not, way, both teams will be in home uniforms, and that's all I care about. Yes, but we don't know if it will be in the afternoon or at night. It is another six-day window selection. This happens every year for this game, uh, late November. Uh, so here are the times: ESPN U slash two slash U. Uh, 12.30 p.m., ABC at 4.30 p.m., ESPN at 7, or FS1 at 7. If you had to pick one, Alicia, what are you picking? Uh, 
I think 4.30 is probably the one that gets the least amount of complaining. For sure, yeah. Because it's early enough that, like, the people with kids and the East Coast people aren't going to be too upset. And it's late enough that uh, people who are on the West Coast or going to the game have time to tailgate. So 4.30 is probably ideal. Yeah. Uh, I would rather the 12.30 than the 7, but that's just because I like to sleep. So that's just a personal thing. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I'll take the 4.32. Sounds good for me. Uh, 4.30 also, not 4.32. I mean, the kickoff will probably be like 4.42, but yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, I'll take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about uh, the USC win over Arizona State uh, with thoughts after our re- rewatch. Can't never say that word right. Be right back. All right, Alicia, we rewatched the game, USC and Arizona State. The Trojans get the win, 31-26. We talked about it in the car cast with our pal Trent that, you know, it's interesting because SC was so dominant in that first quarter, outgaining the Sun Devils 315-1. to You can make the argument as the most dominant quarter ever for USC football. Uh, certainly yardage-wise, I can't imagine there'd be a more dominant quarter that way. Uh, but on the score scoreboard side of things too, like twenty eight to seven, pretty dominant. I mean, if it wasn't for a long uh, kickoff return, it would have been twenty eight nothing. Uh, so great start for USC, but then after that, uh, it was all ASU. It was ASU led nineteen to three from that point on, and SC could not get into the end zone. Nine straight drives ended, uh, only one with a field goal, uh, and they only get that field goal because Drake London makes an insane catch. Uh, that made uh, ESPN's uh, Moss in it uh, little yeah, you montage. Got, you got Moss, yeah. yeah. You got Moss. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it was that good of a catch that it made the you got Moss, and it sets up yeah that field goal because USC had pretty much taken them out of field goal range, right. taking themselves out of field goal range with a couple of missteps. Yeah, a l- little YOLO raid with yes. the uh, <laughs> with, with the you got Moss there. But uh, so we were talking about like like how what went wrong for USC? What changed? Did ASU's adjustments? make the difference, what the hell happened. I, I think part of it is ASU wasn't scared. Uh, and SC get, is, gives no team any reasons to get scared. They talked about it on the broadcast that Herm Edwards told his team, and rightfully so, like, we're going to go down in this game early because SC is going to hit us in the mouth, and that's what they do. But don't worry. Like, SC will let us back into the game because that's what they do. And what happened? Uh... Joey Ellen led ASU right back into this game with a chance to win it on the final drive. Yeah, and that's the problem. USC now has a reputation. Um, in the past, I think that USC built a reputation of being uh, invincible, and that that um, plays a role in the way that games play out when, when teams show up and they're already beaten because they're intimidated by you. Uh, USC now has the opposite problem where even if you're up 28-7, the other team knows these guys can be gotten. And USC proves it time and time again by letting other teams go out and and, and get them. So it really was just about the, the trends, right? ASU knew, keep it on, keep the pressure on, don't give up, don't give up, and you will, you will uh, chip away at this lead. Meanwhile, USC did what they always do. They started making mistakes. And this is the thing that on my rewatch, the thing that was most disappointing about this game, 
I don't know if the alternative would have been less disappointing. The whole thing was always going to be disappointing, but I went into the rewatch expecting to see something tactically different. I expected to see ASU change something defensively or offensively or, or whatever it is that they did. Offensively, they start taking advantage of the screens and, and hitting USC with those a little bit more. I don't know if that would have always been the game plan, but that's certainly something that plays a role in in ASU's ability to move the ball in those final three quarters. But offensively, I mean, let's let's be let's get this out of the way right now. USC's defense is not the problem here. USC's defense gives up uh, uh, 19 points. Now ASU has a bad offense; they have a backup quarterback. You shouldn't be giving up those points, anyways. But we all know USC's defense is who they are. Yeah. So we, we know I don't what they are. I don't yeah. even need to like discuss. As USC's defense did genuinely have a lot of injuries that they were dealing with. So you know what? I I don't care about what the defense is doing at this point. We know what they are. Uh, it's not acceptable what they are, but we know what they are. USC's offense is is what ultimately sets the tone for this game because USC could win this game fifty six to twenty six. And we're having a completely different conversation, and they should have won this game 56 to 26. Yeah. The difference, and and I say this because it's not that ASU changed anything. It's not that ASU played better. It's that USC played worse. And they put up 28 points because they were that much better than ASU. And then they started making the mistakes that we know they are prone, uh, they are prone to make. In the first quarter, they make mistakes, but they overcome them with great plays. In the final three quarters, they make the same mistakes and then they don't overcome them because they make the same mistakes. And it really is that simple. USC's offense plays well from start to finish. In a very basic sense, are they capable of moving the ball? Are they capable of winning from play to play? Absolutely. Whatever USC wanted to do in that game, they could do in that game. You know, it's not that they were pounding the ball and running all over ASU, but they were running just enough to have an offense that was balanced enough. The offensive line was pass blocking perfectly fine. That was not a problem. They were actually dealing with ASU's blitzes, which they were doing a lot of the same thing that Oregon did, where they were sending pressures from different places and 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 uh, showing one pressure and then having that guy back off and sending from another side and all of those same things. But USC was actually con- contending with it rather well. And USC had added the wrinkle of they were more often sending the running back out into the flat, pulling a defender away, and, and having that option there. I thought it was working beautifully, and it worked beautifully from start to finish, with the exception of about a dozen miscues. And those miscues were drive-killing. And it's really and that those, simple. those miscues are what defines the performance. Because yes. like, we, like we've said for three weeks now, this is three straight games in which the offense is stopping themselves. And that's not to take away the credit from, from the defensive teams that they've played, right? But I, I told you in the, in the car cast of the Colorado game, the only reason USC didn't score more in that game was because of the miscues that they had. Yes. It wasn't Colorado's defense. Uh, last week against Oregon, uh, Oregon made made plays defensively, absolutely. Uh, but if SC doesn't turn over the ball, they're scoring to keep themselves in the game, and it's a completely different game. Uh, this week, if SC just eliminates those mistakes then this is that 56-26 Big 12 bad game at worst? At worst, right? Yeah. Uh, at, at best, it's a game in which SC is up, you know, 49-13 uh, uh, in this game, and then who cares because it's strictly garbage time, who cares after that, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's the mistakes, and, and it goes back to the idea we've talked so many times about the 
the, the, the student and the A student and the C student and USC's performance just being so frustrating on offense because you see how good they can be. Yes. This first quarter was just like picturesque of what they could be despite the mistakes that you mentioned, right? And and it was it was them showing their potential and you know how good they can be. And they just can't get there consistently. And the annoying thing is they weren't perfect in the first quarter. It would be one thing if the first quarter is, man, they literally everything goes right, it's perfect, and you can't expect them to play that way. I know, Slovis has two incompletions, jeez. <laughs> but those incompletions are bad incompletions. There are other completions that are that are not gaining much. Like, each of those drives, with the exception of the first one, which does actually go fully to plan, each of those drives involves a misstep that could have killed the drive and instead they just keep carrying on right so i'm not asking them to be perfect we're not asking them to score on all of those nine drives they just need to score on half of those nine drives cut out half of those mistakes and in the rewatch if you want to get the dirty details on this uh go join the patreon and listen to the rewatch because i literally go through each one of those drives and highlight this is the play that killed that drive and it's a single play, usually. Maybe sometimes there was a sequence of two plays, but it was never more than that. It was always this singular play, this false start, this chop block, this drop pass, this interception, this incom- this inexplicable incompletion, um, this tackle for loss, this swinging door moment for the offensive lineman. Down the line, over and over and over again, it's one mistake each drive that kills it. And... You, again, you don't have to cut out all 15 of those mistakes. As I've I've talked about this before, it's not about cutting out all 15. Cut out half of them. Make seven mistakes. That's fine. But you can't be making 15 because the 15 are going to burn you. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And you end up in a situation like USC where the last nine drives, they score three points. Yes. Which is, and, and you can make the argument they shouldn't have even scored those three points, well, those like, three like points we talked about lucky. with with, with now, Drake London. Yeah. Well, okay, they were lucky, except that they were they did have a, a backup quarterback and a backup center. Sure, right. And, the, and, and honestly, well, like Justin, we, t- we talked about in the car cast, if if those were the bad drives, who cares? Yeah, like, th- those right? are two it, of the nine drives are the Matt Fink Justin Dietrich drives, two of them. That's it, and one of them is the only one USC gets points on. So, like, you can't tell me it was like, well, Matt, you know, you were down to Matt Fink. Well, Matt Fink is the only one who scored a point after that first quarter. So, you know, like, it obviously wasn't him. You know, I mean, obviously it was. But, I mean, either way, he's the one who generated a point-scoring drive. And, you know, USC does have problems. They they lose uh, Eric Krummenhoke to a stinger. They lose Brett Nealon to a calf strain. Justin Dietrich comes in and genuinely... Um, even before he came in at center, they they'd thrown him in at guard for one of the drives, and he um, did not look up for it. He, you know, there have been a lot of calls to see Justin Dietrich at guard, and the experiment against ASU, uh, it didn't look like he was ready for that. And when they when he had to get thrown in at center, um, I'm I'm I I don't want. It was a difficult situation for him. I'm not trying to kill the kid, but, um. Had things gone differently for USC, we could be discussing Cyrus Hobby-esque kind of moments in this game from USC Center. So we do have to acknowledge that. But as we said, that's not the, those are, you know, just a, a couple of the drives of the nine. And Justin Dietrich wasn't responsible for the 15 mistakes. He's responsible for like two of them. And not even, I think one of them is just the first play he comes in at center. He just gets swim move to hell and back 
and it doesn't actually result in it. Actually, that's one of my favorite plays of the game because Justin Dietrich's first play, swim move to hell and back. So uh, Keaton, uh, so Matt Fink has a guy coming straight at him up the middle, and Fink just launches it to uh, short to Michael Pittman, and Michael Pittman blasts a defender like it, it. It's like a safety hitting a receiver the way that Michael Pittman hit that defender would be on replay all over and over and over again for how devastating a hit that was. And Michael Pittman does that to a defender and it was beautiful. Um, so that was fun, but either way, like that's not one of the drive killing plays that I highlight. So you can't blame it on Justin Dietrich who did have a rough outing, but ultimately wasn't, wasn't the one who was responsible for USC not scoring points. He might've been if, if other players hadn't gotten to it first, but that's, you know, the problem in and of itself, right? Yeah, and speaking of Michael Pittman, I want to talk about him for a little bit. We, we've had this discussion off and on. At what, like, what, it, what will it take Michael Pittman to pass Juju Smith-Schuster into number three on USC's um, best wide receivers of the of the decade? Is it even possible? Because uh, you know that there's going to be a million all-decade teams coming out by every single publication. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, right? And so, Marquise Lee and Robert Woods, far and away, you're two starting wide receivers, but who's the third guy? Uh, more than likely, it's Judas Smith-Schuster, and I wouldn't have thought anyone would have gotten close. But Michael Pittman is so damn good. And, you know, we were talking to, to, to Trent Goodrich the other day, and he mentioned that what 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 Juju did so well was that, you know, he, he kept performing, uh, he had the... the the reliability of his production and all of his statistics and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, he fought through injury and he still fought through all these things. This to me, this season has been the most Juju esque season ever for Michael Pittman. Uh, they're this, they're very similar players, aren't they? A defensive minded guy, a guy who played defense in, in, in high school. And we see him play physically, not afraid to block, not afraid to put his shoulder down and run through a guy and not afraid to have a 13 catch, 146 yard performance in a week in which for long stretches, we thought he was doubtful and not even going to play like Michael Pittman is so damn good. And it's a shame he's on a team that is so mistake prone because this he deserves he deserves better I think uh, just because of how how good of a player he's been. Well, Michael Pittman is starting to make the argument that um, what would Lane Kiffin have done with Michael Pittman? Like Ooh. what what would a, a play caller who has a singular playmaker that they decide to feature? Uh, what would he do with Michael Pittman? Because obviously in this game, Michael Pittman proves, you know, you, Michael Pittman did it against Utah. That was his, like, he is a boss kind of game. 10 catches, 232 yards, and a lot of YOLO raid uh, bailing out his quarterback. But in this game with Keaton Slovis, it's 13 catches, 146 yards. And it's not YOLO raid uh, bailing out his quarterback, but he is present for Keaton Slovis this entire game. And one of the things I liked about this particular game is we saw him make a catch out of the slot. Uh, we saw USC moving, move him around and, and sort of make sure that he was involved. So I think that's very encouraging and performances like this do put him a step closer to being discussed in the Juju Smith category. Um, I think we can start to compare. He's about to have a thousand yard season. Yeah. And I'm looking at the numbers right now. Uh, it's fascinating uh, he leads the conference in catches with 71. He leads the conference in yards with 938. Uh, 
Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State leads in, in touchdowns, but Pittman has eight. But he he's got a chance to you know carry it home with with receptions and yards to lead the conference, which is great. Something that you know Juju uh, was right there trying to do uh, back in in 2015. And you look at these numbers. SC has you know a a wide receiver core, a top three that is so good. We've talked so much. Pittman, Vaughn's, St. Brown. Well, and Amon Ross St. Brown is the one that gets on the team of the week, national team of the week from Pro Football Focus. So, yeah, like, as he certainly should have. Yeah, right? but like, and doesn't that demonstrate like the options that USC has? Exactly. It's an embarrassment of riches uh, in the receiving core to the point that all three guys are in the top five in the Pac 12 and catches this year. Insane. Absolutely insane. So, again, what would one of them as a focal point, what kind of numbers would they be putting up? I don't know. By the way, I'm going to Ross St. Brown. Uh, if they want to shut him down for the rest of the season, it's fine with me because 55 catches for 666 yards. Beautiful looking numbers. That 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 is. That is. But <laughs> I personally hope they don't shut him down, honestly. Well, of <laughs> I th- course I not. think USC fans are probably sitting there going like, yeah, no. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> Especially after Obviously. that performance that he yeah. put in in, yeah. in this in this game against ASU. Well, he was the, the he has the huge explosive play. But even beyond that, it's like, what, 95 yards, 97 yards? Even beyond that, he's putting in another seven catches, another, uh, do the math for me, like 80-some-odd yards. And he's just, he's just again, he's all over the place. He's becoming, a, he's an, a, providing an option for Keaton, for, uh, Keaton Slovis or Matt Fink, whoever's there. And, like, it's funny because you end up with Tyler Vaughn's being, in this particular game, sort of an afterthought. But... One of the catches that Tyler Vaughn's makes on the sideline is just like one of those like, damn, Tyler, like that's a that's an impressive catch. And uh, it sets up a, a third and one that then gets backed up by what else? A false start, uh, a false start that's not on Eric Cromenhoke, by the way. The game book lists it as against Eric Cromenhoke. And uh, we've had that corrected, uh, rightfully so, because Eric Cromenhoke came out in this game with a stinger. And I don't know why the game book tags him with that false start. Uh, but either way, uh, USC mistakes happening all over the all over the board. But like, we haven't even talked about Drake London. Drake London catches a touchdown in this game, doing his job there, and then he makes the you got mossed catch, and he's the 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 afterthought, the afterthought behind the afterthought receiver. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I was I was looking it up right now, uh, trying to see if the Bolitnikov has any like semifinalists or anything like that because you you look at it I, I'm not I'm not crazy right now does Pittman have a chance to get to uh to New York or Orlando wherever they they do those ceremonies Pittman's problem will be that he has two games maybe three if he's lucky to put up big numbers but you can't sure. guarantee that like Cal is going to be very difficult Cal is a very good secondary right and if I'm Cal the receiver that I focus on shutting down is Michael Pittman yeah. Not that you want Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vons to kill you, but Michael Pittman's the one that I worry about killing me the most. Sure, sure. But he, Michael Pittman is fifth in the country in 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 receiving, uh, in terms of catches. Uh, the the dudes in the ballpark and all this all these numbers here. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens. Also, I searched Bolitnikov Award. Charles Rogers died today. Yeah, yeah. Sad. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a, that's R.I.P. A, yeah, rest in peace, Charles Rogers. Uh, the, the the point to this all though is that SC had so many good things go right in this game, and they still did not score a touchdown the last nine drives. 
uh, like, again, USC. I, USC has it, it's, it's it's something you can't even put into words at this point. Yes, because USC has Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown having killer games. USC has Keenan Kristen having a killer game. You have Keenan Slovis having a killer first quarter, and then it just it just falls off. It just falls off. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, it, it's it's extremely frustrating. It's extraordinarily frustrating, and and. The as I as I was getting at before, it's not like anything changed. ASU didn't take anything away. USC still had all of these things available to them. Yeah. They just didn't follow through. But we're gonna take away one of the over unders. Jaden Daniels did not play, which will affect our over unders coming up. Uh, we'll talk about how the change to the canon of the over under will happen. We'll be right back to do over unders. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, let's get into the over-under. And I got to tell you, this is going to be one great over-under segment. (sighs) I can't can't wait to get into it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh All right, for the season coming in, I had a three-game lead. I am 35-27. You are 32. And 30. First one. You said over or under 15 and a half carries for Keenan Kristen. You took the under. I took the over. And I I can't remember exactly what you said. Basically, like, you're an idiot for taking the over. Something like that. You, I'm you, pretty you, sure that's not what I said. I, something to that to that effect. Well, maybe I was thinking it. but You, you were uh, certainly thinking it. Yeah. Uh, it's the over, baby. 20 carries. 24 total touches for Keenan Kristen. Pretty good. Yeah, I... Um I didn't have any faith in USC's coaching staff to run the ball. Because I choose not to run. But they chose to run, and I was happy to see that from an offensive perspective and uh, not from an over-under perspective. This is true. Uh, and talking about the other side of the ball, over-under 99.5 rushing yards for Eno Benjamin was my over-under. He had been averaging 849 but had a couple of recent games in which he went over 100, including 104 uh, on the road at Utah at Rice-Eccles. At least he did not have that success against USC. Well, you, you and I took the over expecting him to hit the 100-yard mark. Uh, he was at uh, 52 yards on just 20 carries uh, for uh, for Eno Benjamin. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so part of the problem... Um, was that USC sold out to, to stop the run. I, I don't understand it because, like, Marlon Tuplotu is USC's best run-stop defender. And he wasn't in there. And uh, Caleb Tremblay, who's been pretty decent against the run, uh, wasn't in there because he got injured as well. So, like, USC did that without some of their best defenders. And I don't quite know how or why or... What I I don't I don't know. Part of it too was that ASU, um, even though he had twenty carries, like that this this blows up this theory. Like my thought was they fell behind, so then they were passing more. But he had twenty carries, so like I don't I don't know. They did throw to him. I think he had seven catches too. Uh, So they were using him a lot. So it felt like more uh, times that Eno Benjamin uh, got the ball. Uh, Let's go to the next one. Uh, zero 
0.5, over under 0.5, lost fumbles for USC, you said, uh, because the Sun Devils were third in the country in recovered fumbles this year. You took the over, basically saying that SC wouldn't have a lost fumble. I took the under, saying that they wouldn't. It was over with one. Keenan Kristen fumbled, uh, and it was recovered by ASU. Yeah, and that was a tough one, too, for him. Um not not you know Benjamin had a couple fumbles one of them being a horrendous fumble Ken and Kristen that wasn't uh, that wasn't one that I'm going to be concerned about his ball security going forward yeah could have been targeting on that play too yeah uh the last one or next one sorry uh 64 and a half offensive plays over under 64 and a half offensive plays this might be my 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 favorite pick uh favorite line of the year i just can't. We haven't even told people what it is. Oh, yet. They know what it is already. They can hear it in the tone of your voice. Oh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's 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 talk about it. Uh, so, sixty-five and a half, uh, sixty-four and a half. Sorry, offensive plays for ASU. Uh, it's the it's more than ASU was averaging because they had been under uh, the you know national average on plays. Uh, you took the under, I took the over. Going into the final few minutes of the game, they had 54. And I looked it up, I was watching the stat broadcast, I'm like, damn it, should have taken the under, she's going to win that. At least they had 11 plays in their final drive. Thank ev- thank heavens for Tommy Hancock, is that the tight end's name, who dropped the, the yeah. short, surefire touchdown potentially for ASU? Because... They got the 65 plays to give me that over. 65. With a line of 64. I remember I, took Beautiful. The, I, I remember I took the under and said it's going to be something stupid like it's going to be like 62 or 63, but just sneaking under. And it <sighs> it just this. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, your last over under. We are striking from the record. Uh, so if, if you're keeping up. Uh, with over-unders at home, keeping score. I know our pal uh, Dave from Orange County does this. Strike it from the canon. No longer canonical. Is that how the... Is that how the... Canonical. Canonical. Yeah. So, yeah. It's all the Canonical is, is a good word, though. <laughs> That's what the like superhero it. dorks call it. Canal... What is it? But canon isn't a superhero dork thing. Like, canon is like an actual... Okay, well... Literary... I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a weapon of choice for some Well, this is true. Canonical. Canonical. No longer canonical is your over under 34 and a half rushing yards for Jaden Daniels. He didn't play. Uh, this was very difficult for me because he got the under. He didn't have 34 and a half rushing <laughs> this yards. This is true. Which would have been a win for me because you took the over there. But I took like, the under. But like a Vegas over under, this would have gotten taken off the board yes. on Friday as mm-hmm. soon as it became clear that Jaden Daniels yeah. was a game time decision. Yes. Yeah. So I took it off the board here. I don't think it's fair. If he would have played one snap, yes. I, I would have been like, no, we're keeping it in. Right. But uh, he did not play. So striking that from the record. No, no longer can. Canonical. Canonical. All right. It's canonical is like hyperbolic in the sense that you have to reevaluate your syllables in order to say it in that form. All right. We'll just go to the next one. Uh, next one, <laughs> over under one and a half USC sacks. This was my last one. Uh, ASU was 106th in sack rate. Their offensive line, not very good. Uh, but... 
You took the over, I took the over, and uh, ASU was only sacked once on the very first drive of the game. Abdul-Malik McLean got a sack, uh, so it is the under. We both got that wrong, which means for the week, I went two and three. Not great. You went one and four. Give me one more game to open my lead. I now have a four-game advantage on you. I'm 37 and 29. You are now under 500 at 33 and 34. Remember, the rivalry game, last game of the season, will double that. Double points there for you, the UCLA game. So that might give you a little chance to try to get back in the in the thing. But it looks like I'm going to be taking home my first title. I, I got to figure out where to put, hang the banner. You know, you got to be right one time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You were closer to the final score, by the way. Uh, let's get to the game <laughs> predictions. Bill Connolly's numbers were, were uh, 29-27. He had USC by 2.1 points, his number set, with a win probability of 55% for USC. Vegas had ASU by 2. ASU wins, sorry, USC wins by 5. Uh, and uh, your prediction was 28-24, SC by 4. Uh, I said SC 35-31. Uh, 35-34. God, I can't read by one point. Yeah. so You, you were closer. So SC won by five. I was kind of close, yeah. I, was, I mean, I was close in the margin, kind of close in the in the score area. Yep. Uh, I'm mad. Because, because 31-26 is an Alicia it's score. It's such an Alicia score. And I went with the even numbers, uh, two and two and eight and a half is four. Like I went with the symmetry of that. And normally I would go with the, what's a stupid number. 31 is a stupid number. Uh, can I blame Alicia Deratola for this? 31 and 26 do not match up at all. That's my jam. The funny part is it's the same exact score as the Minnesota Penn state game. 31-26. And I can't I mean, remember another odds? game in my life that had 31 What are the odds that, that you had two two games in the same day that have a weird football score of 31-26? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It is, it's like 13-9. All the 13-9 games. SC loses 13-9. Pitt? Uh, Pitt, Pitt beats West Virginia 13-9. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan was... Uh, Lost the thirteen to nine game to take them away from a national title in like ninety six or something like that. Like so many, so many rivalry games have ended thirteen to nine. But I, but thirteen to nine is a more. It's conceivable sure, but, how that happens in but football. It, but it's but it's weird how that happens as an upset score. Yeah, yeah. The the, the way uh, to alter people's national title hopes is is weird. Uh, let's get to the pick'em. Uh, you went eight and twelve this week, tied for forty second for the week. I went 10 and 10, tied for 25th. Not great, neither one of us. Uh, for the season, I am tied for 9th, 133 and 91. You are 53rd at 147, sorry, 107 and 117. Not great for you. Uh, the uh, Not great for me either. I got to get better than 9th. Uh, the, the leader this past week, uh, 15 and 5 was the record for Jensen SC 11. Great week. 15 and 5? Good picks. Jealous. Jealous. Yeah, it, it was not a good week for me in, in the pick department. No. Nope. Uh, the leader to date, Kangaroo 30, takes a two-game lead, 143 wins, 81 losses. And there is a three-way tie for second between scantily clad Peristyle, great name, by the way, uh, Warhop Way, and Intantar. They all have a record of 141 and 83, just two games back. They're killing it. I know. I am not killing it. You are not. Well, 
to be fair, I've missed two weeks, so I'm just sort of going for a week-to-week basis, but I'm failing at the week-to-week basis thing, so I fail. Yeah. Yeah. You you gave up. You, 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 you know what? Your picks are second half USC against Oregon. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. Wow. That, that one might have been better than the original. Yeah. The original one, honestly, I think it sounds a little bit like Lois from Family Guy. Wow. Whereas it's more like a wow. 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 I want to start giggling. Let's just go back. We'll be right back. <laughs> it's too early to have this go off the rails. <laughs> You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with a voicemail we got from Cameron. Hey, Randy Troy, Cameron from Frisco, Texas. I have a question for you guys. So last week, we finally got our new AZ, um, Mike who? Mike Bone! Mike Bone! Mike Bone! So I want to know what your impressions were of his press conference on the Thursday when he first kind of went out to the public and was announced as the new athletic director. What did you think of? What he was, what he said, and everything, and all the questions and answers that were given by the press. Um, personally, I thought he did a pretty good job. He did a really good job with his press conference. I mean, he said the right things. He really focused on integrity and focusing on fighting on to victory and trying to make sure that it's not just about you know winning divisions, winning the conference, but winning championships in all sports and national championships, and all about the importance of impacting recruiting and everything. I also felt like he did handle himself really good with the questions about Clay Hilton's job and the coaching search and everything and just talking about how it's too early to tell him only being on campus legitimately for about half an hour. Um, what were your thoughts about it? I think he did a really good job. Looking forward to what he does because um, at the end of the day, you might you might speak a lot of great stuff, but your actions are going to magnify to the fan base and to the Trojan alumni, et cetera. Um, what were your thoughts? Thanks. Fight on, fight out, and let's beat the Bears. Thanks for the call, Cameron. Uh, yeah, the the press conference of Mike Bone was an interesting one. Who? Mike Bone! I Okay, so Michael played Mike Jones uh, in the car today. And, yeah, and you, uh, you, you, you liked it, didn't you? You liked it. I mean, Who? Mike Bone! I, I still don't, like, I still don't get how I, I like, how I don't get this reference. Like... Everyone seems to seems to be on board with this, and and I don't. I just it's just not it's not in my wheelhouse. You not listen to the rap in high school? Come I on. did. That's the funny thing is that like, well, not that it's my like rap isn't my genre, but like I was exposed to tons of rap in high school, so like I don't understand. I don't get. I, you're, I don't you're killing me. Right. I don't know. I'm I don't, don't want to take you off track. Okay. with that with the Mike Bone reference, but go ahead. <laughs> Mike Bone, uh, his press conference was great. I think he won the press conference. I think we all agree he won the press conference. I think we also all agree it's not hard to win the press conference at USC. Everyone does it. Um, but uh, the things he had to say were, were certainly interesting. I took note of the way that he talked about the football program, uh, dropping the fight on to victory line that Clay Helton has now thoroughly killed dead I never want to hear those words together ever again. I may even omit them from the f- from the fight song. It'll be like fight on for all see. Fight on fight on to mm-hmm. do, 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 you know, do you know the words? Well, no, I'm trying to figure out like I was trying to figure out what I was going to I don't know. I don't know with. that you know the words. I think you're more comfortable singing uh singing Notre Dame's fight song. <laughs> Which was the fight song of my high school. 
Notre Dame High School. Oh, so your high school and yeah. your college. Yeah. Yeah. Except my high school is co-ed, so they changed like the 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 uh, gender references in Churcher. But either way, either way, Clay Hilton has destroyed the fight on to victory uh, thing that Mike Bone did so well. And <laughs> uh, but really, yeah, it was I thought it was interesting the way that he talked about um, the football team needing to win and needing to be competitive. And uh, I thought uh, and, you know, I talked earlier in this episode how I'm kind of getting a little bit hopeful. And a lot of that has to do with the the approach that Mike Bone has brought on the first days in the job. So we'll see how he goes as far as handling this whole thing. But um, I like first first impression. It's good. Yeah. Like like I said in our pregame Q&A over on Patreon, Mike Bone's going to be uh, graded and his era is going to be defined by the decisions he makes, by the actions, not the words. Uh, I know it's extremely refreshing to hear an AD who sounds like he's competent and knows how the job works and all that stuff. That's all great. And it's it's so good that USC finally has that because they haven't had that in such a long time. That is awesome. Wonderful. I under completely get why that feels good to hear. At the same point, um, it's the actions or the, the non-actions that, that are going to factor in here because... Like you said, Pat Hayden won won the press conference. Clay Helton won the press conference. Uh, I don't remember Lynn Lin, Swan's press Lin conference, Swan, but I'm pretty sure he won the press conference too. Lynn Swan didn't bomb the press conference, but I think there was a lot of skepticism around him. But I, like he he did like I don't remember coming away from his press conference feeling like wow this is you know, this was awful. Right. Sark certainly won the press conference. Absolutely. Like, Clay Helton won the press conference. Yeah, everyone wins the press conference. Clay, Clay won the press conference more than Sark did, and Sark won it hard. Like, Clay won the press conference pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, he didn't follow through on anything he said, but... Yeah, yeah. so if if Mike Bone does this and then goes out and hires Hugh Jackson, no one's going to care what he said it, in the, yes. <laughs> the press conference. Exactly. So he'll, he'll, be, he'll be judged based on his actions. So we'll, we'll see those... Uh, how, how they come to be. Uh, the the great thing is he, again, seems knowledgeable and seems like his, his head's on straight, and that's refreshing for USA. So uh, a, a good step in the right direction, indeed. Uh, let's go to an email we got from David in San Diego. Hey, guys, LOL. Honestly, feel a little bad for you guys. Having to cover and analyze the team. I mean, come on. It's still the same thing every week. Same team, same performance. Only difference is sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. I mean, come on. It's almost like it's not even fun to watch anymore. The strike to St. Brown in the first quarter and Rector's pick were great. But what else? The Minnesota upset upset over Penn State and watching Joe Burrow and LSU down Bama were wildly more entertaining than USC. Hope you guys were more than able to see some highlights of the Bama game. Fight on, David, in San Diego. I still haven't seen highlights of the Bama game. Neither have I. I've heard a lot about it. Yeah. I haven't seen highlights Certainly of it. heard a lot about it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but uh, it's, you know, David, I think you are on point. I think that USC fans, I think that you and I, um, we talked as we were leaving the stadium, like the thing that sucks about where USC is right now is that we can walk out of a game where USC um, played sloppy and and wasn't able to pull out, uh, wasn't able to live up to their expectations. And our conversation leaving the stadium was basically like, none of this matters. 
Like, what is there yeah. to say? Because literally, it doesn't. It just doesn't matter. And, so, and it do, it doesn't matter for for one reason because no matter what we say, it's not going to affect the performance of the next week. Right. But it also doesn't matter because. Clayton's job is more than likely coming to an end. Like we can analyze ninety nine percent happening that's coming to an end, and so it doesn't matter at this point either in that sense. Like we can analyze the game, but like any analysis of what Clay Hilton is and isn't doing feels irrelevant because Clay Hilton won't be the one in charge next year. At least we expect him not to be. So yeah, cut this up next year if. Uh... <laughs> well, geez, after that oh. went over Minnesota in the Rose Bowl, like we're, we're gonna have to go back to this little. This little conversation. Yep. After that went over Minnesota in the Rose Bowl, we will go back to many conversations we've had. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Brandon. Hey, Michael and Alicia. Brandon from Austin, Texas again. How you guys doing? Uh, there's, I, I know that there's normally a Brandon that calls into the podcast pretty often. So to not uh, spoil his good name with all his, his good takes, uh, you can refer to me as Brandon, too, if you'd like. I think that would be somewhat respectful to differentiate myself just because I don't want to take away from uh, from his uh, good reputation and, and dirty that with my opinions. Uh, but calling today with a question, just want to hear your opinions here uh, about the head coaching search, which will hopefully be a thing. Let's say it is. Uh, we have our obvious list here. Um, I'm going to go away from the top two easy candidates, which are Urban Meyer, um, and Bob Stoops, so let's say they're not hired because Urban Meyer for optics reasons, obviously, and then Bob Stoops because he just doesn't want to leave his position with the Dallas Renegade, which I think is a pretty sweet gig for him. I'm not sure if he'd want to come back. But if those two guys are out, then you kind of have this upper tier list. And this, this is just my rankings. I wanted to hear um, what your guys' thoughts were. So I have P.J. Fleck, um, James Franklin, Matt Campbell and Matt Rule. And so the reason, the only reason I have Matt Rule at fourth is because of his massive um, new contract extension that he signed, and it does have a really big buyout. I think Baylor's really keen on keeping him, um, and he seems to fit in well there, so I just don't, I don't see him leaving, although he could be a really good fit. Um, so outside of those four guys, which in that order, two other hires that are kind of outside the box that would kind of fall into that backup higher of like the Kyle Whittingham's and the Jack Del Rio's uh, two names there. One is Ken Wisenhunt, uh, who was formerly the Chargers offensive coordinator recently, uh, but also led the Arizona Cardinals to the uh, 2008 Super Bowl, I believe. So yeah, so his, you know, he's got tons of NFL experience, not much college experience, but at least he's living in LA and he doesn't have a job right now. So I thought, Hey, that might be somebody. Um, don't know your thoughts there. Another one that's kind of outside the box in college football is Pat Fitzgerald at, from Northwestern. I, that, I don't know if he would leave Northwestern, but um, I think potentially having a defensive-minded coach and bringing someone with that kind of energy in, especially um, bringing his strength and conditioning team in, could be really valuable. Uh, I don't know. This would obviously be behind, like I said, those other candidates that I um, put first. But I just want to hear your thoughts. Um, fight on, beat the Bears, and fire Helton. Hope you guys have a good week. Thanks for the call, Brandon, too. Uh, I love this call because the, the four guys you mentioned first are the second tier of the uh, of a list of tiers that I've put together. Uh, so I, I've posted this on Patreon. The, the first tier I put as incredible hires. I'm talking strictly for football reasons here, by the way. Strictly football reasons. Uh, well, except for one guy we'll get to later. 
Uh, but strictly for football reasons, the incredible hired list is anyone who has a ring already. Urban Meyer, Bob Stoops, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney. I guess you could throw Jimbo Fisher in there too. Not all those guys are obviously available, but if you hire someone who has a ring, obviously it's an incredible hire, right? Right. The damn good hires. You have to throw less miles in there? <laughs> he goes to Kansas. Yeah. And Max just, Brown at UNC. No. Just say it. They have rings. But continue. Sorry. No, we're talking about people who, who the game hasn't passed them. Yes, by. yes, yes. Uh, anyways, damn good hires would be Matt Rule, Matt Campbell, PJ Fleck, and James Franklin. That is the tier two for me. Tier two is, again, very good because I said these are damn good hires. These are the guys that you hope become the tier one, right? After that, you have very good hires. To me, very good hires would be Dino Babers. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, I think, would be really fascinating. Uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, someone who's from Pomona. Uh, he has L.A. ties. He went to Colorado. He's coached at UCLA. Ties to the Pac-12. And, oh, yeah, he's the offensive coordinator for Patrick Mahomes. Pretty damn good offense the Chiefs have over there. Uh, he works with Dylan McCullough. Dylan McCullough probably has talked up SC with him at some point. That is, would be... Uh, an interesting NFL guy to go after, but he's someone who's probably going to get an NFL job at some point. Uh, also on the very good hires list, you have Brett Venables, uh, Clemson's uh, defensive coordinator, along with David Shaw. That's the very good hires. The good second option hires. These are guys that I don't think fans would be happy with because they weren't the big marquee names, but you could do way worse than these guys. These are This is like the fans, list of... Fans would have to be talked into it, but... They could be talked into it, I think. I think so, too. Uh, Brian Harson from, from Boise State. Mike Norvell from Memphis. Kyle Whittingham from Utah. Jimmy Lake, defensive coordinator from Washington. Nick Rolovich, the head coach at Hawaii, is doing great things. Uh, and Mike Gundy, who, uh, you know, I guarantee you he's going to use the USC job to get another extension. That's what he does every single offseason. Uh, and then the could do worse than these hires. These are the people. These are the hires that people really will need to be talked into. Uh, but again, the key, the 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 caveat is you could do worse than these guys, and we'll get to that list in a minute. But the could do worse than these hires list for me is Jack Del Rio, Jeff Tedford, uh, and any of the Harbaugh's. Uh, I guess John Harbaugh could be in a here the tire. He always gets linked to these things, but the Ravens are good again, so he's not going to get fired anytime soon. But I feel like those are the guys who could be you could do worse in the sense that they're they're a little name fatigue a, a little fatigue a word run with it okay we're we're gonna do that um but like they they wouldn't be the end of the world again this is USC all you need is a competent coach and you can you can win the Pac-12 uh Jack Del Rio should not be hired by USC at all uh in the slightest. But he's worlds better than any other USC uh, tie. So, sure. Uh, and then here's the list of do not hire these men. Do not hire these men, period. Flat out. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstance. Graham Harrell. Don't want another uh, promotion. Along with uh, Clancy Pendergast. Jeff Fisher. Hugh Jackson. Chris Richard. Lane Kiffin. Steve Sarkeesian. T. Martin. Mike Riley. Mike Bellotti. Jim Mora. Rick Neuheisel. And Chris Claiborne. Don't hire those guys. Yeah. Chris Claiborne and and Chris Richard, uh, they need to be they need seasoning before you can allow them 
to get the SC job. That's that's my thought. I think in an ideal situation, you know that like Scott Frost, how he went back to Nebraska, he went to UCF and proved himself, and then goes to Nebraska. In an ideal world, that's what happens to someone like Chris Richard, right? Like he's an up and comer in the NFL. He gets a, a head coaching job somewhere, looks good, and then you bring the 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 guy home. Chris Claiborne's coaching at what is it, Calabasas? Like if, if he got a college job and then came to SC uh, after that and was was validated that way, it fine. But but don't hire these guys straight out. Oh, and last one. Don't freaking hire Art Bryles, okay? Yeah. That's the big no-no, but uh, that's obvious. Um, yeah, I, I think all of the names that are getting thrown out are all... Um, that I think you can talk yourself into pretty much all of them. Uh, Brandon Tu's ideas, uh, I think, are ones that you would be quite content with, content with in general. Um, I think that um, he's right to bring up the extensions that Matt Rule and PJ Fleck just got a big, a big extension as well. Yep. So there there are factors there that you'd have to show that you're willing to throw a lot of monetary resources at those guys. Um, and then uh, Pat Fitzgerald is an interesting... I think you and I have talked about Pat Fitzgerald. The problem being that isn't he a Northwestern alum? Northwestern alum. Yeah. Two-time Butkus winner. Well, All-American. Is- like... He seems like a lifer in the way that David Shaw seems like a Stanford lifer. Well, and he's so he's a lifer at Northwestern in the Big Ten, where like Nick Rolovich and Brian Harson are both alums of uh, Harson, uh, born in Boise State, uh, went to Boise State, now coaching at Boise State. And uh, Boise is a city, by the way. Well, but yeah, he was born in Boise, went to Boise State, <laughs> coaches Boise State. Uh, all that things. Nick Rolovich is a Hawaii alum. Uh, but when you're at Hawaii, when you're at Boise State, you do have another tier to rise up into into the Power Five. So Pat Fitzgerald just seems that little bit less. Like Pat Fitzgerald feels like a um, a Patterson from TCU to me. Yeah, I would. I we just can't. Gary like the, Patterson's always been on my list, but I'm not even going to consider him ever leaving anymore. Because it, at this point, like, what evidence do we have that he's interested in the slightest in leaving so that that would be my only response to 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 brandon on that but i think if usc could pull entice him away from northwestern i'd be i think what what tier would we put pat fitzgerald in in the the, the tier where you have to convince people i think he's but, the good second option hire yeah. along with harson and norvell he, and whittingham and lake and rolovich and gundy yeah 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 um so i i i'm on board with that but by, by the way, I think that's the level that Mike Bone is as an AD. That, Those that's, guys? That's the, the competent level, right? Yeah. It's the competent, has has some reasons to be like, yeah, for sure. But then also has reasons to be like, well, I'm a little unsure at the same time. Like, that's, that's a level of hire that you can make. If you aim high and don't get those guys. Yeah. You still, like, you don't start there. Yes. You, you start with calling up Bob Stoops and and all those which guys which is the mistake that uh at least from our understanding of how it went down the mistake that Pat Hayden made when he hired Steve Sarkeesian wasn't that he was an an unreasonable hire from a football perspective obviously the personal stuff they probably should have done some looking into but uh you know maybe go for someone more proven than Steve Sarkeesian uh maybe go for someone more proven than Lane Kiffin yeah, because uh, if you landed on Steve Sarkeesian because you couldn't find anybody else, fine, yeah. uh, whatever. Did but you like, get turned down by John Harbaugh or get turned down right. by 
whoever. And that I understand, but I don't think that's how it went down. Right. I think USC has hired on nostalgia. And I my hope is that Mike Bone does not hire on nostalgia Who? here. Mike Bone. I, oh, oh. <laughs> I don't. You kind of did it. I, I just don't. I don't know how to do it. Because wow. like. Wow. You kind of did it. Oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> uh, let's go to a call from uh, Dave the Greater. Hey, Rain of Troy. This is Dave stuck in Uteland, also known as Dave in Utah. Hey, I just want to make a comment about this decommit from Jack Airy uh, about going to USC. How long in the world, coaching staff, can you lose a USC legend's son who had already committed to USC? Uh, backing out. I mean, it, look, he's coached by John Baxter. If John Baxter coaches his tight ends anything like he coaches the special teams, it's no wonder. We gotta get this guy, Clay Helton, out the hell of our coaching staff and take Baxter and Pendergrass with him and, and bring in some, uh, Urban Meyer and, and some decent coaches and I'll bet you dollars of donuts that he comes recommits to USC and, and comes and has a really nice career. Let's get this shit together. It's, it's all falling apart, and the first step belongs to Clay Helton, either resign or get fired or both. Hey, fight on you guys. Enjoy the show. Take care. Bye. Yeah, there have been uh, – thanks for the call, Dave, uh, Dave the Greater. There have been a lot of things that represent and, and, and indicate the state of USC's program – uh, the blowout to Oregon, um, the recruiting ranking overall, all that kind of stuff. But losing Jack Yerry, it's just a, another one of the like a cherry on top of the of the uh, dumpster fire that that is USC right now. And uh, yeah, I, I have I have nothing to argue there as far as the embarrassment of letting that commitment go away. The only thing you have to hope for from a USC perspective is when if they move on. Uh, and bring in someone new that you get back in the door with Jack Airy. But I don't blame him for a second for looking around at all. I, w- I, would, I don't blame any of these recruits for looking around because um, as much as we say commit to the program, commit to the, the, the university, um, if I was a, a 17, 18-year-old kid... I wouldn't come, no. I would want to know who my head coach will be. Yeah. And if they want me. So I'm not signing anything until I know who the head coach is and if they want me. So there's that. Yeah, for sure. There, there's reasons for Jackie Ari to be wary. I, I think that's, that, you, that you, one's kind of good, right? You already dropped it, though. Like, you're, 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 you're Clay Heltoning it, Michael. You're fight on to victorying it. You're that so cringing it. It's that's cringe. It's not that so cringe. Well, you're such cringe. a You're such a Cody Code noob. I am. But it's also so cringe. Whatever. Uh, thanks for the call, Dave. That was it. Was I mean, you're you're on point. I mean, once you get in an established head coach, uh, things are going to change. I think that you can get someone like like Jack Yerry, who knows all the good things USC provides from a branding perspective and the family and the historical everything. He just needs to know the football stuff uh, and, and what USC has to offer there. And if you go out and hire an accomplished coach. They're gonna they're gonna have that there. Uh, let's go to an email we got from Andrew in Mexico. As the sun sets on the Sarkifan era, Sarkifton, with the the T in there, Sarkifton. I like it. Era, or better better said, Sweden era. 
We can look back and evaluate three of the emotions of the moment. Rank Sark, Kiffin, and Helton from best to worst. Which of the three is more likely to have an impressive comeback as a P5 head coach? Chalk it up to recency bias, but I'd rank Helton last. Sure, he had the highest ceiling, but also the lowest floor. Five and seven is unacceptable. Give me eight and four, nine and three purgatory over that any day of the week. Andrew in Mexico. Yeah, thanks for the email, Andrew. And I think you're right about um, the the question of who has the the likelihood of being uh, the comeback head coach. I think that um, it it might already be Lane Kiffin. It might already be. Um, Sark, I think, probably has a good chance because Sark is working for Nick Saban. And I think that working for Nick Saban gives you some real insight into how a proper football program is run. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see Sark with his life in order, because honestly, like, here's the weird thing. If we're ranking Sark, Kiffin and Helton, if we're ranking them purely on results, it's Helton, Kiffin, Sark. But if we're ranking them on head coaching performance across the board, it's Sark, Kiffin, Helton. Right. Are, are you with me on that? Because like Sark, the two years that Sark that Sark was in there, they were flawed, but you could see where that team was going. I I was a big fan of Sark as a coach, um, of the Sark era in the sense of, yeah, I mean, like we talked about a few minutes ago, SC should not have hired Sark because they should have aimed higher, absolutely. But I liked the plan that Sark had. I think that the plan he had was a good one. We, it's, we just didn't get to see him see it out. I don't think we would have seen... Sark was a more steady option. Kiffin had the highs and the lows. Helton has had the highs and the lows. I think Sark probably gives you the eight nine win purgatory at worst. Yeah, I, I think he. I think Sark gives you nine ten win purgatory. Yeah, he's yeah, your I Bo Pelini in that sense. Um, with with the options he would have had at SC because he he's just as good of a recruiter as Kevin well, and, is. and and imagine. But I think he's he's a better. I think he's a better head coach than Kevin Sark is. was in love with. Sark was the original in love with Sam Darnold. So, like, exactly. I trust Sark to have done a hell of a lot more with Darnold than uh, than T. Martin. Just on, yeah. from a, Sark is a, just a flat out. I know he's had his struggles, but he's just the flat out best offensive coordinator USC has had since who? Norm Chow. I mean, <laughs> since himself. <laughs> since Sark is the best offensive coordinator USC has had since Steve Sarkeesian. Sure, so, sure. you know. But yeah, the, the way the way I look at it, I, I think it, it's hard to truly rank Sark because we really only saw one, in, like a season and a half, a season and five games. It's really difficult to rank that. And the 2014 season is very strange because, I mean, they they went what nine and four in in tw- in 2014, but. They, it was a weird nine and four because you have the jail Mary should have won that game. Which how do you? I don't even know how you like quantify that. Yeah, the jail Mary was a win that wasn't in the on the record. Uh, the the game at Utah, if Nelson Aguilar stays in bounds to pick up the fourth down play, they win the football game. Those are two wins that SC would have had, uh, and they go ten and two in the regular season. So like I don't I don't think those are egregious to to switch like I don't think that that's being very presumptive about that team uh, they were a very flawed ten and two team absolutely but I think there was a foundation there for him to grow and we just never got to really see see it out obviously all the off field stuff was terrible uh, and that all factors in uh, but yeah I I would rank I, I'd go Sark Kiffin Helton uh, in terms of who can be a good coach going forward 
I would say Sark. I don't know that Sark's going to get that complete opportunity. Then again, I think Mike Loxley got had a he got his um, reputation completely scrubbed away by by Nick Saban. The same thing could absolutely happen for Sark. Sark. The the thing about Sark, uh, he just needs to rehabilitate to to bide his time with with Nick Saban and continue to rehabilitate. And I think that um, while his the the mistake he made at USC was egregious turning up to a practice in that state. Um, I think there is a certain amount of forgiveness that it should be warranted him in the sense of if he was dealing with alcoholism, if he has that under control now has turned his life around, prove proven that he can live. Right. So like I, if I was, if I'm an AD, if I'm a sitting AD in, in the power five or whatever, or even group of five, I look at it and say, if Steve Sarkeesian can prove to me that he is sober today, yeah, sure. I give him another chance. The interesting thing about Clay, um, I don't know where Clay's going to go from here. You know, because I could see him, like, going after Mike Norvell gets hired away from Memphis, going to Memphis uh, and, and coaching at Memphis and being a good head coach there and having Memphis in the discussion of winning 9, 10 games every year. Uh, and, and being very good for Memphis. I can absolutely see that. Can I see him at the Power 5 level? I don't know. Mm, where, like Iowa State or something? Like, I I, I don't know. Maybe. I, 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 think I, he'd, I think he'd go to Iowa State and be fired within three years. And and that would just be because I don't think he could compete with the other compa- uh, in, because the, we haven't, in the Big 12. We haven't seen him get... If he goes to Iowa State, he can't recruit like he did at USC. Yes, and we can obviously see what happened in the recruiting. And he'd have to he'd have to face you know, Texas, Oklahoma, um, Baylor, yeah, uh, TCU. And he do it with Iowa State's talent, and yeah. he, he hasn't been able to develop the talent. So yeah, that would be a little problematic for him. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Josh. Hey, Michael and Alicia, it's Josh. Uh, Keely and I just finished listening to the CarCast. Uh, have a couple thoughts. First of all, I really liked the. Uh, note of positivity at the end of the car cast you know we are just hauling ass down the 10 right now we are so excited to get back to la to do the rewatch uh, the rewatch of the first quarter and the first quarter only so you know we are looking at this positively and we are excited um but besides that otherwise i'm just reeling um the number of shout outs on the podcast i mean i feel attacked because a lot of it was like you know actual they were orders. They weren't just shout-outs. I mean, I was being told what to do, but you know what? I uh, I followed through, and Keely listened to the car cast on loud, so you're welcome. Uh, I also am reeling from, and if I recall correctly, Alicia said that she may be okay with going to the Sun Bowl. Um, that's atrocious, and I think that's a horrible opinion. And that's sentence should never be uttered again. So, Alicia, you should apologize for that. Um, I'm also reeling because we just drove through, like, and we just drove through so many fast food restaurants in Blythe. It, it was absurd. So, first, I wanted to try the Popeye's chicken sandwich. So, we went there. Their soda machine was broken. And then we got Diet Cokes from Burger King. And then Keely had to get a gluten-free pizza from Pizza Studio. And then we needed frozen Baja Blast from Taco Bell. So, you know what? For, you know, a solid 30 minutes, we were the economy of life. It was us. That was it. And, Michael, before you start, you know, 
getting in a little bit of a tizzy, we did stop at the 76 station on the state line. So it was very nice. It's brand spanking new. It was shiny. It's polished. It looked great. I was very happy about it. Um, it, so, yeah, that's what's going on around here. Uh, it was great meeting you guys on Friday. I look forward to a lot of future rot meetups. And hopefully see you again soon. Bye. Thank you, Josh. Um, I'm going to start this off by apologizing to you and Robot Nation. In a previous episode of Random Troy Radio, I uttered a statement that shall not be repeated, having to do with the Sun Bowl. And I know that this was a traumatizing statement that I made, and I apologize very, very thoroughly because you are correct. It was a trash opinion, and I do not know what came over me. Uh, with that said, I wouldn't mind going to some bowl. I, I like. I wanted to <laughs> go to. El, I wanted to go to El Paso for a while. So I'm good with that. Man, we're ki- we're we're gonna get. Uh, I guess we're gonna get love from El Paso in a different way than we got love from Blythe. We are officially. The, uh, what, what are we, Blythe's favorite podcast? I think least favorite, but we can, uh, we can call it favorite. We're the people's podcast in Blythe. So what happened was, uh, our friend of the podcast, Keely, you, you all know and love Keely. She asked a recommendation on where to stop. I said, you have to stop at the 76 station right at the state line, exit one, it is brand new and it's great. Or you can do the Flying J across the freeway that has a Wendy's. Either one is great. The uh, the the 76 is like super, super, super brand new, just like Josh mentioned there. But that's what I said. She posts a picture of being in Blythe, and I'm like on Twitter, who stops in Blythe? It's the most rookie move possible. To which we got all these tweets about how we were terrible people for saying that Blythe was like a hellhole, essentially. Well, I don't think you used the word hellhole. I, think, I, I, I didn't, I think but like used, they, they certainly took it that I way. I think you used an adjective like uh, crappy, like why did you stop in crappy Blythe? I which, might have said that. Which to the people who live in Blythe, I get it. I get it. Like you like your town. That's cool. Um, but people coming on Twitter and attacking us for thinking that Blythe is um, Blythe. Would be like someone coming up to me and telling me that uh, Van Eyes is trash, and me going, "Don't, don't disrespect Van Eyes." Like, no, I'm sorry, I'm from Van Eyes. I love Van Eyes. Van Eyes is trash. <laughs> so, like, guys, own it. It's okay. <laughs> You're stopping in Blythe tomorrow, aren't you? Uh, if Blythe has a Taco Bell, then yes. Oh God! Well, they do. Josh, Josh, well, and Keely went to one. Okay, but but isn't your point about not stopping in Blythe? Kind of also about why stop in Blythe, where you're probably going to fill up your gas. Yeah. When you can stop at Stateline and get super cheap gas. Ehrenberg, by the way. Okay, That's Ehrenberg. the official city name. Okay. But super cheap, like, plan plan accordingly. Get yeah. your cheap gas here, in Arizona. Here, you get gas in Arizona uh, because of the, the gas tax uh, in California. It's so much more money to get gas in California. So you get gas in Arizona. If you want to eat in Blythe, go ahead. Uh, and so if, if you want to be the economy like, like Josh and Keeley were, do it. It's great. It's, I, I love the idea of just driving through a million different places. Okay. This, we're, we're going to go here is and that, go there. Like that's, that sounds fun to me. Is that how I have to, we got, we have to get Blythe back on our side, uh, by my patronizing every fast food restaurant that I see in Blythe. 
to uh, to up the the Blythe account. Hey, the Robots, we are doing a PSA for for Blythe. Let's help Blythe grow. All right, by let's do it. Supporting the economy of Blythe. Next time you are in Blythe, anyone, anybody listening right now, yeah, take a picture. Oh, maybe I of should Blythe and send it to us and be like hashtag hashtag Rot loves Blythe. You know what I might have to do? I might have to do a a a, a, a scope out of the Popeyes situation because if Popeyes is not a crazy drive through like it is back near my house, then I might stop and get one of those Popeye chicken sandwiches because those are legit. Who recommended it to you? Uh, you did. You sat in a 45-minute drive through line And I didn't me. even eat one. And you didn't even eat one, yes. So that's, that's you know, true true uh, food recommendation uh, commitment there on on that whole thing. So, yeah, that that might be happening. But, but yeah, <laughs> to get back, back to this, thank you, Josh. Uh, it was awesome meeting you at the meetup as well. It was awesome meeting everybody that we met at the meetup. It was a, it was a pretty cool time. And uh, yeah, we we appreciate the um, we appreciate you following the orders that we gave you, the commands to make sure that Keely listened. Yeah, because if, if we're going to talk about stuff before the car, sorry, Keely. Sorry, Keely. Yeah, we we need it to be loud, loud and loud and clear for uh, for our pal Keely. Uh, let's get to our last voicemail, which comes from Gare Bear. Hey guys, this is Gare Bear again from Los Angeles. Just a quick question. I um, started watching or listening to your program in the last year and a half since USC started to go downhill. And I really don't know the history of Elena Torre, uh, especially uh, Mike and Alicia, how you guys met, uh, how you came up with the concept of Raina Troy. Um, is there a way you can uh, include a little history about your um, uh, about the beginnings of Raina Troy for some of the newer listeners and let us know how you guys met? Uh, if you uh, went to SC, what your passion is about SC, and how you uh, decided to uh, create Brain of Troy, and uh, what what the ultimate goal is, just just wanted to um, find out some some of your uh, some of your background. Cool to know. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the call, Gear Bear. Uh, it's funny you mentioned this because literally Sunday was the seventh anniversary of the time Alicia and I met ever in person for the first time. Yeah, we we literally had a little walk down memory lane of like, how much do you remember about that? And it was this whole thing about it was the homecoming uh, game. And I I was going to the game with a, a band friend of mine who was going to perform during the halftime show. It was the ASU game in 2012. Yeah, yeah. And um, we uh, we were going to plan to meet up after the game at uh, El Cholo. And you guys, you and Trinice, who were uh, running the site at the time, uh, were going to pick me up and we were all going to go to El Cholo and you ended up having me wait at the Finger Fountain forever. And Rest in peace, Finger yeah, Fountain. Rest in peace, the Finger Fountain. And uh, we eventually, you know, you were, were able to pick me up. We went to El Cholo. We ate food. Um, I You definitely ate food. I, ate, I, I impressed Michael by eating the entire plate I, <laughs> So let me tell the story. Food. So you this... This sounds weird. Which is the greatest mirage of all time, Yeah. So, by the way. So we go to El Cholo. You order a Chiliriano uh, dinner. Plate, yeah. Yeah. You eat the entire thing to the point where the plate looks like it was licked clean. And I'm like, wow, that's incredibly impressive. You don't see that nowadays. Nobody does that. No, nobody does that the first time you ever meet someone. Do they just take the plate completely bone dry? 
Yeah, but uh, as you would find out during the course of our friendship, that might be the only time that has ever happened. Ever. It might, it might be. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was a, I'm nervous, so I'm going to keep eating because I don't know what else to do <laughs> thing. Um, and I didn't want to be that person who didn't finish the food. That's fair. Uh, but in general, I am a don't finish the food kind of person. I'm very much a leftovers person. So uh, that was fun. But uh, yeah, we we um, uh, basically we met the, the Reign of Troy existed before Michael and before I. Yeah, it was started by Danny Savitsky and Alejandro Madrid in 2010. Uh, so the 10 year anniversary of the website uh, is next season. Uh, they started it in 2010 uh, for fan sided. Uh, in 2011, Trinice Ferreira took over. Uh, you know Trinice from the Rant Line, Trinice from Inglewood. She took over. Uh, and then in 2012, I had been with Fansided for a year at that point. I joined. Uh, and then you joined. Uh, and then we started doing podcasts in like 2012. You didn't join the podcast until, until 2013. And that's where we have this little infamous moment. Alicia. Hi. <laughs> yeah, your your first ever word on the podcast. Hi. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I came into the podcast after Trinice and Michael had sort of started it, but it wasn't really a uh, regular kind. You guys weren't doing it really regularly. It was no. it was sort of uh, here and there. And then um, once I came on the podcast, I think that we started doing it more regularly. And I remember having conversations with you, Michael, about how. As a as a budding podcast listener myself, I had been listening to the Peristyle podcast, and I remember thinking at the time, man, I wish I had more USC podcasts to listen to. And I remember having a conversation with you and, and probably Trinice as well about how there was, a, you know, a, a lane there that uh, a, a need to be filled, that there had to have been other people out there who wanted more USC out there, that the Peristyle podcast is great, but like, I, I, I want more than just the episodes I'm getting from the Parasol podcast. And so we started putting a lot more time um, and effort into it. And then uh, slowly but surely. Uh, um, Not to cut you off here, but I remember going up to the 2013 Cal game and first game you and I ever saw in person together that SC scored 63 points. Yeah. The Nelson Aguilar. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Look look at that. A rot trip that that, that panned out. It started out real well, guys. Yeah, I know. Uh, So, we went to with the Vegas Bowl was another rot trip that uh, was a, a, a very emphatic win. Yeah, th- this is true. Uh, so we went to that game, and the the entire drive home, you and I were just talking about like all of our like ideas for what to do for Reign of Troy uh, on the podcast and on the site and how to make it the best that we possibly could. Because in 2012, the site started to take off to the point where I quit my my part time job. I was working retail, uh, and I'm like, I'm just going to be a student, and I'm because j- I was in my senior year at SC, and I'm just going to do uh, Rain of Troy after that. Just those two things. That's what I'm gonna do for the next year, uh, and I did that in 2012, and then you got to the point of being able to do that in 2015, mm-hmm. uh, and that's also what, working retail. <laughs> yeah, and, and so that's what that's that's everything. Just slowly but surely came together. We had a bunch of people involved in the podcast uh, that came and went. Over the years, uh, too many to name at this point, and then we got to like 2016, and it's been me and you ever since. Yeah, yeah, and we've sort of been been rolling it. But um, my affiliation with USC, I went to USC, um, but my dad started working. Well, you went to Notre Dame. 
<laughs> Notre Dame High School. My dad started working um, for USC's, uh, peripherally for USC's uh, medical school uh, when I was like, like 11, 10 or 11. And so the first USC game that I ever went to was the Notre Dame. What have we narrowed it down to? It had to have been the 90, 2000, the 2000 yeah, Notre the Dame, afternoon game. USC Notre Dame game at the Coliseum. Matt Lavecchio was Notre Dame's quarterback. Yeah, I was not interested in football at the time. I had a it was a funny experience that day. Uh, but um, I consider my first real USC game. You were Coach Boone's daughter at that point. You weren't Coach Yost's daughter. I was I was very much Coach. Well, I was Coach Boone's daughter without the accessorizing because um, I've never been into accessorizing. Uh, but um, I consider my first ever USC game uh, to be the two thousand. Um, the 2006 Cal game, USC mm-hmm. Cal. Yep. And twenty-three uh, to nine. And by then, because touchdown pass to Dwayne Jarrett. Yeah. Uh, so the, what transformed from 2000 to 2006 was my dad got the job at USC, and um, so then he started watching USC football because he was now affiliated with USC football. And I didn't like sports. I, I loved sports. I loved to play sports. I liked basketball, but I didn't like football because I resented my my dad and my brothers for taking up the TV all day on on Saturdays and Sundays watching football. Um, so uh, eventually, I something clicked. I associate it with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart being amazing, and like me falling in love with USC football because of that. Uh, because it, it was um, it was just always on the TV, and then finally it sort of clicked for me. And from then on, I was a USC super fan, and my whole goal throughout high school was to get to USC, to, to get into USC, and and um, so that was that was basically uh, my 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 whole drive through high school was was to get to USC, and I and I ultimately uh, made it. But um, I was a super fan all the way through high school, and I know you you were born and bred. Yeah, uh, so my there's a picture of me being held by Scott Ross as a baby. Yeah. I need to find it. My dad you has the, the picture. I need to find it, and then we'll tweet it out if we ever find it. The late, great uh, Scott Ross, uh, All-American linebacker, number 23 for USC 1990. Uh, so I was going to games since 1993. I've tracked like the number of games I've went to and all that stuff. First game I ever went to, starting quarterback for Houston, Clay Helton. That it still blows my mind. <laughs> Still blows my mind. <laughs> I know it's funny because when you look at pictures of Clay Helton as a football player, the only ones that ever show up are the ones in that game, with it's- like empty pink coliseum seats in the background. <laughs> it's great. Uh, so, um, yeah, and so I had been going to games with my dad. Uh, we went uh, season tickets uh, every single game, every single home game, uh, with my dad and a bunch of road games. Up until 2014, 2015, we got credentialed for the first time. We've been credentialed ever since. Uh, and then That you- was a big turning point for the site, too. Because, I think so. Um, we really started to take off in terms of the... We had always gone for, you know, we're just trying to give you an analytical approach, but uh, not trying to be, you know... Um, the 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 sort of armchair experts or anything like that, but just sort of giving you our 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 uh, view of of everything and well and- the mantra at the time and and really now it's the same way it's the idea has always been to be able to talk about USC smartly while also having the ability to just sound like a couple of friends talking about football yeah exactly and, and so have it be tangible in that sense and not be 
too deep into the X's and O's to where it's it's not accessible for some people, and not be too deep into rumors or recruiting that that it, it turns off other crowd. And it's not it's not in the sense of like be appealing to the most possible people because it's definitely not because yeah. we, we we definitely are but not the, that those people. But there like, are there are there uh, there's that picture that we get shared with us or you and I have shared it with each other too, where the guy is sitting next to the the billboard or it's like a it's a, a glass. Uh, uh, thing a glass like it's like a, a, a an image on the side of a of a door or whatever of like people sitting at a table like talking and yeah. the guy is sitting next to it like acting like he's involved in the conversation and that's always been our thing is that we want um the, our conversations to sound like the conversations that you might have with your friends about usc football the car cast the idea behind the car cast wasn't necessarily that we would record them in the car, even though that's what we started out doing. It was these are the conversations that you have while you're driving home from the game yeah. in the car. They're the conversations I, I had with my dad every week. Yeah. Are the conversations I have with you going home from games? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's always been um, the goal, and the credential has given us a little bit more um, authority to speak on on what's going on at practice, and given us. Um, you know, it's for me. It's given me the opportunity to um, foster the whole photography thing, which is not something that I realized I could love, but I've actually fallen in love with. So that's been really cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's been you know slowly but surely, Randa Troy has grown exponentially since that since that uh, sort of 2015 situation. It's it's really ballooned, and. Um, I guess, you know, I, I think Gary Bear asked about, like, where we see this going. We literally, over this weekend, just talked about how, like, my dream is just to podcast all day, every day. Um, so, like, <laughs> whatever it would take to make that happen would be really cool. But uh, as far as as far as the site and the podcast go, we want to continue to grow grow the Patreon. We want to continue to be able to, to bring um, the supplemental shows that, that we do. Um, I want to keep doing Throwback Thursdays. I, I love researching old games and talking about random things that happened in 1942 or whatever um and like those kinds of things and to be able to just continue to throw as much of our time and resources into bringing that kind of thing together um is is kind of what i see the future of random choice but basically is just and we've always said this from a podcast perspective at least i have you know i, I feel like we're kind of learning on the job and I can tell you from that first high, you and I both have gotten significantly better at the process of podcasting, of speaking, of doing all the things that we do. And so every day, it takes time. Yeah. Every day I'm trying to be a better podcaster. Every day I'm trying to understand football better, um, understanding my limitations that I never played the game, but still trying to broaden my, um, my, uh, you know, ability to talk about the game intelligently because that's what we're sort of aiming for so so long as we can continue to do that kind of thing and grow and don't stagnate and get lazy about sort of what we're talking about and how we're talking about it and all that kind of stuff then we're going to continue to do it and you know hopefully the the thing that i'm just hoping for is that we can stop having the same conversation every week i i'm i hope and and you know gare bear talks about like he came on Last year, like, I'm sorry, Gare Bear. I'm so sorry. We had so many more interesting conversations in 2013 and 2014 and 2015 and, and 2016. Like, our conversations were much more interesting before these last two years. 
um, because so much of it has just been frustration and trying to understand and make excuses or make explanations or whatever. So um, we're really just hoping to get out of this malaise and, and get back to what we were doing and what was really fun, which was just talking about football instead of having every conversation go back to, well, but that's Clay Hilton and we know who he is and that's the defense and we know what they are. Yeah, and you know, you know, you mentioned getting better as as podcasters, and like, yeah, I, I think that we both have we. I think we both are very self aware with our strengths and weaknesses, and, and kind of balance each other. And like, trust me, there's no one else I'd rather do this with than you. And I I would hope that's the same, <laughs> vice versa. But like, but but also like that also comes from being a listener of a lot of podcasts, right? And, yeah. and so, by the way, you didn't confirm that. What the hell? Uh, you know that I... Th- I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know. I'm having my doubts. The we, listeners are having their on. doubts here. We have had... I have literally had conversations with you that involve, like, if I died tomorrow, what would you do? And my first response is, well, I would I would stop podcasting. Like, it'd be that simple. Yeah, and then you're like, I stop podcasting, but at the same time, I mean, Trent has been really great on the podcast, <laughs> so we can bring him on. Well, we're... we're, we're <laughs> that's uh, that we're... I'm gearing up for your replacement is, is what I'm hearing here? Yeah, I mean, he's better than me anyway. So uh, <laughs> the, the, the point is, uh, part of the reason that, that I I think you have to grow as a person and as a, as a podcaster and whatever you do is to consume, 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 and you're going to take little bits and pieces, um, and then you're going to make it your own and see what works for you. And, and so you listen to... Um, you listen to the Anfield Rap, a Liverpool podcast. I, what got me into it, was listening to a podcast called Bricks and Ivy Radio well, uh, back in like 2007, 2008, uh, talking about the Cubs, and I was so entrenched in that. That's where the rant line comes from, by the way. Uh, they had a rant line. You would call in and, and complain. I called in and complained one time about Jason Marquis letting an infield fly drop uh, and then botching a double play because of it. Uh, and I ranted and ranted and ranted, and they put me on the podcast. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm on the podcast. This is crazy, right? <laughs> so, like, that was me, right? And then I got into listening to All the King's Men, and I loved what All the King's Men did about the Kings. Uh, and so we, we talk about the car cast. I, I think part of the car cast also came from what All the King's Men did, where in the playoffs, they would do these podcasts after every single game where they were just standing in the parking lot having a conversation. And it was so good. And Jesse Cohen is so damn good at being a podcaster. And he's able to, he's now on TV. And, and you see him in intermission of Kings games. And it's its so cool to be able to see someone who you've looked up to and see where they've gone, right? And so you listen to things like that. And you, you pick up little things about like how, they're, how Jesse Cohen and the Royal Half are able to talk and sound like friends. That's something that we want to to have. We we want to come off as, as sounding like friends, not just like two people that a couple of producers stuck in a room. Uh, and I think that us being like really close friends helps that certainly. Yeah. Uh, like our, our chemistry is entirely genuine, yeah. which helps. And then you listen to other podcasts like the Solid Verbal, uh, and you know, well, and we, I, we do the rant line mont- montage. It was never intended to come off like the the reverbs that the Solid Verbal does. Yeah, but it certainly uh, has evolved to, has evolved to being a little influenced by it. So yeah, for sure. Well, and I listened to uh, the Dan Patrick show, which is not necessarily it's a it's a radio show that they uh, then put out there in podcast form and like you know just listening to dan patrick who's one of the pros of all pros being able to 
talk and share and and be uh, insightful and also ask a lot of good questions and think about things like that uh, in that way. Like that's been a big a big thing for me. But yeah, the Enfield Rap is one of my favorite things, and the Enfield Rap is a lot about contributors and having group conversations and looking back at games analytically, but also doing random fun stuff and. You know, that's kind of what we're, uh, we know we listen to like the bald move, which is, a, a entertainment podcast yep. that sort of help you get the back and forth feel of, of, of two people doing a podcast, all of this kind of stuff. So we're, I mean, we're, our thing has always been too, that, uh, just going back to like, we always want constructive criticism. Half of what I talk to the rock bots in the, in the, in the rock crew or half of what I record for the Patreon, um, is basically like, do you guys like this? What would you like more? What what do you, what would you like less? Like, let me know right. because I want to know because I want to get better. And like, I've changed totally changed up the way that the idea for the rewatch initially was something totally different, and it just didn't work. So then we changed, you know, I sort of transformed it into something else, and that was so time consuming, and I didn't actually think it was valuable in the way. So now it's transformed a little bit more um, to be a little bit more. Uh, uh, where I sort of sit down and, and give thoughts instead of going through each play really with a fine t- tooth comb, um, which is just not, I don't think it's suited to the, to the, to the, um, to the medium or anything like that. But everything that we're doing is, is just trying to wing it at this point, which I hope that people appreciate that we're out upright and, and, and forward with the idea that we're winging it and we're, this is this is uncharted waters. Like the great thing about podcasting is that so many people are doing great podcasts, but it, it is a new media and a new medium. Well, yeah, because uh, um, Coco, what's what's his name? Coco, the the orange haired guy, the Co- late night guy. Oh, Conan uh, O'Brien. Conan. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. Yeah. I don't remember his name. I, yeah, no. Well, he does go by Coco, but like he's not the first thing no, I think of when you say Coco. I, I, so I know. I guess I'm it. confused. Uh, no, but he invented podcasts. So. Did he? Yeah. Oh well, if if you, I, this is probably a bit that I don't get, but that works. E- either way, more or less than Mike Bone. <laughs> either way, we're trying to build a uh, media empire. Is essentially what we're saying, and uh, you guys are all part of that. So. Yeah. It's a really weird, long tangent about random stuff. I don't know if we actually... We did answer Gabriel's questions, but yeah. Yeah. That's the story. Bottom line, we love podcasting. We hope you love podcasting. And I have no intentions of ever stop podcasting with you. Yes. I have no intentions of ever, ever stop podcasting for ROTS. Uh, so that's the plan going forward. Yeah. So get ready. Although I am on I am on record. <laughs> the, mo- the moment USC hires Art Bryles... We're done. <laughs> okay, that, that's fair. That is fair. No, no, no. But, but we wouldn't be done podcasting, though, at that point. We'd literally just do the thing where we, like, transition to, well, we're a Scrubs podcast now, guys. Live with it. Scrub? No. No Scrubs. Okay. No scrubs. Can we be a serial podcast? Can we just be like a, here are our random food takes, and we're just going to be eating cereal while we podcast? Here's, podcast. A, here's a great... Segue, not seg, no, great what? tie-in here. Hey, wait, wait, I never heard about cereal until uh, All the King's Men talked about, are you listening to cereal, listening to cereal? And they wouldn't explain what cereal was because they didn't want to get it, to, to tip it off. So I went looking for cereal, C-E-R-E-A-L, <laughs> and I couldn't find anything. Okay, wait, I just came up with a podcast. Half of the things that we do sometimes, it's like, we have, for instance, Westwood on Westworld, 
Ronan got started and then we realized we all started watching Westworld and then we realized Westwood on Westworld was a good name and so we made a podcast <laughs> so here's the podcast idea serial killers it's a podcast in which we talk OJ about Simpson no 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 no. you and I love crew crime tr- crew crime true crime <laughs> Jeez, you and I love true crime so let's do a podcast in which we discuss food, i.e. cereal and all that kind of stuff, but also we discuss random... What the hell are you doing we, telling people this idea? I mean, I'm giving it all away. Write know, it down on a piece of paper, I know mail we, it to yourself. I know we could get to Trenise in on this, too. Have you, have you ever done that? Have you ever wrote, like, uh, had the... What, what's it called? Write yourself a letter and then yeah, read the, it sometime the, later? Poor man's uh, copyright? Ever done that? No. Did that once. So in high school, we had a we had field trips where we went to Ampus, the uh, Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences. Uh, we went on three field trips because we did like three little workshops. And in one of the things, we had to come up with an idea for a TV show. And so my idea was uh, Extreme Makeover School Edition, where the Extreme Makeover people would would make over essentially like a a building at a school, school, like a small building or a couple of classrooms or something like That's that, right? That's legit. Why doesn't this already exist? Well, it does now, by the way. Oh. So <laughs> they've done it. But like, so I, I did this idea and when I said it, the guy who was running it, the host was like, stop right now, write that down, mail it to yourself because that is going to, I never did it. And like, it's a thing now. Like I've seen it before. You know, missed opportunities. I know. It's like investing in Yahoo or Google. What wasn't a missed opportunity? You replying to an ad I wrote to join us. So, this is true. Yes. You. Yeah. Well, thank you. Right. And we, thank you, Gerber, for asking the question. And thank you, everyone who's listening, for putting up with us. For another two-hour podcast. I mean, I was going <laughs> to ask how long this thing is going because we were already, like, watching the time, watching the time when we started the mailbag. And then true. that happened. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We will see you guys next time. You know where to find us. Until then, see ya. See ya. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now for April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024.